Hey, I'm so glad you're here today. That song reminds me of my Methodist heritage. Any people from the Methodist tradition? Let me see your hand here. Kind of Methodist in your background. Few. How about Baptist? Uh-huh. How about heathen? Okay. In the right place today. You know, some songs are just words. Some songs are just a beat, and they really don't capture much sense of the Bible. But I'll tell you what, that song, word for word, captures just the heartbeat of the message of the Bible. I can't think of a better song just to pause and reflect on what Easter, the resurrection, means to us. Think of the words again. They'll put them on the screen. Because he lives. First of all, if you just stop right there, he's alive. Now, I bet I've said that a million times, but listen... Everybody I know that I went to their funeral, they're still in the cemetery. But Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, I can face tomorrow. Whatever tomorrow brings. And how many know it is no telling what could happen tomorrow. I can face it because he's alive. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And that doesn't mean that I'm never afraid. But it means when fear comes to me, there's a power of peace that can be greater than my fear because Christ is real and alive. Because I know He holds the future. Not that I think, but for the Christian who has a walk with God. See, I thought when I was a kid, I went to church, Mom made me go. Thank God she made me go. But she made me go. But it was in my head. And when it gets into your heart, because you have a real walk with God, you know that He holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Give him another big hand this morning. I want to show you a quick little video before I go into the Bible. We're going to begin in Matthew 28, but it kind of captures the most important question everybody's asking at this resurrection time called Easter. Take a peek. Okay, it's Easter. So here's what you can expect today. At some point today, somebody's going to stand up in your church house and say something like, uh, Jesus is not dead. He was dead, but he's not dead anymore. I mean, you can expect it. Just like you expect to hear the national anthem before somebody throws out the first pitch, or, uh, or happy birthday before somebody makes a wish and blows out those candles. Not dead. Somebody's going to say it. Here's, a, here's the question. This, uh, this not dead Jesus stuff, is it really true? Or is it just something nice to say? I mean, it seems like a pretty important question. Because really, nobody's just sitting there today. The way I see it, everybody's rolling the dice. See, this not dead Jesus stuff, if it's not true, well then... Yeah, really, you're probably wasting your time. You'd probably do better to just sing a rousing rendition of Happy Birthday and call it a day. <laughs> or better yet, you could have slept in and skipped all of this. Because <laughs> really, Jesus not dead? If it's really not true, eh, all of this stuff you're doing, sitting in rows, singing a bunch of songs, listening to some preacher talk, uh, it really has just about as much significance as uh, as making a wish and blowing out those candles. On the other hand, if it is true, uh, well, just imagine the possibilities. Jesus, 
not dead. I mean, he was dead. In the ground, dead and buried, the funerals over, the casseroles have all been eaten. But now, all of a sudden, he's up and walking around again, better than ever. Not dead? <laughs> well, what do you do with a guy like that? My way of thinking, a guy like that, you pay attention to him. And when he says, I'm God, you say, I'll buy that. And when he says, I'm going to lead you in a parade to glory, you say, let me get my drum and fall in behind you. If it's true, Jesus not dead, here's an idea for you, just today, beat your drum, sing to the rafters, celebrate like you got nothing to lose and everything to gain. <laughs> just a thought. Kind of makes you want to go yee-haw, huh? Do you, can you do that in church? Is that okay? Can you do yee-haw? Okay. Okay. Not dead. Was dead. But not dead. Now, everybody I know that was dead is still in the cemetery. But Jesus is not dead. Not dead. Here's his story. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now, when I read the Bible today, I want you to think about this. You guys say, well, the Bible is just a book written by man. Isn't that interesting? The Bible is a book that, you know, there's over 16,000 manuscripts and pieces of manuscripts of the Bible that have been collected. Less than a dozen of Julius Caesar and other great people from history. But not only is there a lot of it written down, you know, they found a copy of the Bible. One of the oldest copies ever found, there was a shepherd boy that was playing in the field in Israel, ancient Israel in the 40s. And he was throwing rocks in a cave and he heard this crash kind of sound, something break. And he went in there and he found a clay jar. And you know what he found? He found what archaeologists have come to call the Dead Sea Scrolls. And in there they found virtually a complete copy of the book of Isaiah written 700 years before Christ was born. And it's virtually identical to the manuscript that you have, the book of Isaiah in the Bible today. See, history backs it up. History backs up what the Bible has to say. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses to what I'm going to read to you. And there are millions of lives that have been changed because of his story. Listen, Matthew 28, verse 1, as the first day of the week began to dawn, that was Sunday, which is why we worship on Sunday today, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. In today's vernacular, he'd just say, you can't touch this. I mean, God has just come and taken over. The guards shook for fear of him. Now, these were the most powerful police force in the world of their day, these Roman soldiers. And they became like dead men. The angel answered and said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Was dead, but not dead anymore. Come and see the place where he lay, and go and quickly tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Now, I want to tell you, on that morning, everything changed. Up until that point, even when a believer died, they were still locked up. And they were locked up in a place called paradise. I mean, the Bible teaches when you physically die, your body dies, you continue to live. See, the Bible says that you're a spirit. You're not Casper the ghost, but you're a spirit. 
You can't lay hold of it. You can't find it in the hospital when you're in there. But you're a spirit, the real you. It has personality. It has life. That's what's created in the image of God. You have a personality, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your soul. And you live in a body. And what we see die is the body, but the spirit goes on to live. I mean, no, our spirits will become eternal. It doesn't mean they had an eternal past. At our creation, though, you will live forever. You'll either live in the presence of God or you'll live away from him in a real place called hell. That's why this is such an important day. But everything changed on that morning. His followers, who had, were now hiding, scared to death, two ladies show up at the tomb while the men are hiding for fear because Jesus had just been killed, you remember, a couple days ago. Well, everything changed because he's alive. Their fear had been turned into faith. Death, what used to be punctuated by a period, has now become a comma. Where there used to be fear of the future, now there's hope in the future. And because Christ lives, I believe that I will live one day as well. See, it's a promise that he gave you and he gave me that he's going to prepare a place for us. It's a mansion in glory, but it's a room. It's a dwelling place. And Jesus said, if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. The Bible teaches that there would literally be a resurrection of the just and the unjust, one to life and one to judgment. Everything has changed. Hope has been is, is, is the trump card. It's like well, humanity was in a card game with the devil, if I can use those words. And the devil's highest card he's got to play is a trump, and it's a king, and he plays that, and everybody dies. But on Easter morning, Jesus took the ace and said, I'll take that, thank you, and I'll take all the chips while I'm at it. That's exactly what Jesus did. That's for you poker players, by the way. That's exactly what Jesus did on Resurrection Sunday. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about three words. I want to talk to you about the word fear. I want to talk to you about the future. And I want to talk to you about hope. It's something that every one of us in this room deal with. And I guarantee you on a daily basis. And I'm going to take this song. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to take this song, Because He Lives, and kind of let its words just... Talk about them a little bit more because this song captures something about Resurrection Sunday and how it can change your life. We're going to get into the Bible together because I'm not preaching a song. I'm just telling you a song or the words of a man's heart about the truth of the Bible. And I want to bring it out to you this morning. Let me give you a little background. We're going to make our way this morning into the book of Thessalonians if you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. But let me give you a little background about this song. It was written by Gloria and, and Bill Gaither. Made such an impact on us when I was a young Methodist. We had a little bitty thin brown hymnal. And they even found a copy of He Lives and pasted it in the back of that hymnal because it had such a powerful message. But you know, that song was not written in a real good time. Let me tell you the words of it once again. That first portion of it goes verse 2. Think of this now as we talk about the future and the uncertainty of the future. Verse 2 says, How sweet to hold a newborn baby. Feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still the calm assurance, this child can face uncertain days. I'm not doing that to scratch my ear now. I'm doing that. He can face uncertain days because he lives. Now, let me tell you the background of the song. It was written by the Gaithers at a time in their life where there was a lot of trouble in their world. They already had two kids under four and Gloria's pregnant again. Well, how many know that's a big, oh, three kids, you know, under five years of age. But there was a lot going on in their world. Bill had been battling with the sickness for quite a while. It had had him really down for a long period of time. He got the wind knocked out of him when his sister, dedicated Christian woman, got divorced. And then a friend of his started gossiping about him and it affected everything about his life. It, it, it kind of cast him in a dark light and he just said, I got depressed. 
Well, here you've got a depressed husband, and the wife is starting to think about, what am I doing bringing a child into this crazy world? It was the 60s. Time magazine had published God is Dead. The secular world just began to grab hold of that, and the schools began to bring it forth. And lo and behold, you're thinking about bringing forth a baby in a world of racial tension and hostility. Riots were going on across America. Uh, you know, that drug abuse was starting to really just skyrocket. The whole world was changing. This Christian heritage that we know America was founded on, it's like the world was pulling away from it. And lo and behold, they had a fresh encounter with God, and that's when they wrote this song. You know, you can have a fresh encounter with God because all of us have mountaintops in our walk with the Lord, and sometimes we hit a valley. But guess what? When something fresh comes to us, faith comes back, and we lay hold of truth, and truth's able to put to rest those things. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and you know it and I know that it's true. There's a lot of things to be afraid of in the world. I hope you're following and praying for the nation of Israel right across their border there, just right up from them is the nation of Iran that is working around the clock to try to to produce a nuclear bomb and has made no qualms about it. They want to destroy Israel and they want to destroy us in the United States. I believe that God means it when he says it on television. Half the world's oil, half the world's oil flows right by the nation of Iran. Israel says we're not going to let them do it. Friends, I tell you, one day you could wake up and your world could change just like that. Just like that, your world could change. If I were to say to you the words 12, 14, it'd mean nothing. 1, 3, nothing. 6, 7, nothing. 8, 9, nothing. 9, 11. We were in a staff meeting Tuesday morning when 9-11 happened. Pat got a call from Rusty and said, you need to turn TV radio on because there's been a plane crash into the tall building there, the World Trade, or the, what was it, Twin Towers in New York. And as we began to realize what was going, it was not just one plane, it was two planes, and it began to be obvious that America was under attack. The world changed. The world could change tomorrow. See, there's lots of things why it could change. Look at our economy. They're trying to tell us it's a turnaround, but isn't it amazing? Most of the jobs that are being produced are government jobs. Do you realize 40 cents of every dollar that your government is spending today is borrowed money? For what, how long could you live if you borrowed 40 cents of every dollar to pay your bills? How long could you live? 700 banks in America today are on the verge of bankruptcy. 700 banks. FDIC didn't have money to bail them out. And then you look at Social Security and Medicare, both bankrupt, no money. And they tell us our nation is in debt about $13, 14000000000000 dollars. Well, if you add what we owe to Social Security and Medicare, it's more like $60 trillion. Come on. You say, well, what's the deal? 10,000 baby boomers every day enter into the system. 10,000 people with their hand out saying, okay, I've paid into this thing all my life. And every politician says, oh, don't worry, oh, don't worry. See, it's a world we live in today. And if that's not enough, what's going to happen when a bureaucrat decides if you get health care rather than you and your doctor? Now, listen, unless you're just sticking your head into the sand, I'm telling you, there's uncertainty on the horizon for America unless you know who holds the future. And this is a big distinction. Now, I'm not saying to you there'll never be a problem. Do you know the United States of America is not eternal? Every civilization, every kingdom that's ever been on this earth has had an increase, a plateau, and a decline. Listen, we may see America decline, but you'll never see the kingdom of God decline. You'll never see the eternal kingdom of God shut down. Listen, the world may fall apart around you, but your faith is on Christ, the solid rock. 
You have not built your life on shifting sand. You didn't build your house on the side of a hill in California where a mudslide's going to make it go down the hill. You built your life on Christ the rock. And I want to tell you, my friend, everything can be taken from you. And you, like Stephen when he was stoned, can still look up and see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. But I want to tell you today, and I want to underscore this, there is uncertainty in the world, and you can go one or two directions. You can go in the direction of fear, or you can go in the direction of hope about the future. Let's talk about it a little bit more. Let's talk about this word hope. This chorus of the song we've been singing reminds us we can have hope in life's darkest moments. Hope is simply a word that means I have a confident expectation of tomorrow based upon the promises of God. This, the, the Gaithers wrote, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Now think about it. How many know the words of the Bible can be in your head or they can be in your heart? And it's a big difference. You know, just coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. I used to think when I was a kid, I thank God my mom made me go to church. How many mothers just made you go to church when you were a kid? Come on, let me see you Thank God for mom and grandma. But listen, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And you can have a knowledge of God in your head and not have it working in your heart. Listen to this story about a man that it worked in his heart. It's a true story. Dr. Criswell tells this, a great pastor in, in Dallas many years ago. He said he was on an airplane and he found himself seated beside a well-known theologian. The theologian told Dr. Criswell how he'd recently lost his little boy through death. Why don't you think about this? This little boy, maybe six, seven, maybe eight years old, just a little guy. The man told him about the boy's death. He said he'd come home from school with a fever, and we thought it was just one of those childhood things, but it was a violent form of meningitis. The doctor said we could not say, he could not save their little boy. He'll die. Now, I want to tell you, that is the absolute worst thing a parent would ever have to face. How many know that? So here's Dad, this seminary professor, loving his son as he did. He sat beside the bedside to watch this death vigil. It was the middle of the day, so it's bright outside. The sun is shining, 1 or 2 o'clock. But the little boy, his strength was going from him, and his vision and brain was getting clouded. Listen to what the little boy said. Daddy, it's getting dark, isn't it? And the professor, the dad, said to his son, Yes, son, it is getting dark. It's getting very dark. He said, Daddy, I guess it's time for me to go to sleep, isn't it? The dad said, Yes, son, it's time for you to go to sleep. And the little boy said, Good night, Daddy. I'll see you in the morning. He closed his eyes and died, and he stepped into heaven. Dr. Criswell said the professor didn't say any more after that. He just looked out the window of the airplane for a long time. And then he turned back and he looked at Dr. Criswell with scalding tears coming down his cheeks. And he said, Dr. Criswell, I can hardly wait till the morning. How could you say that? Your baby just died. And this baby thought full well, I'll wake up in the morning. But what this dad knew is he knew the promise of God. Is that one day, come on. 
One day there will be a resurrection of those that have died in Christ. One day the dead will come back to life. One day bodies will be resurrected from cemeteries. Listen, death is not a period. Death is a comma for the believer. Because Christ died on the cross for our sins and He gave us hope for resurrection. Not only, listen, for Himself, but for you and your mom and your brother and your sister and your children and everyone that's died in Christ. Listen to the words in the Bible. They'll put them on the screen. They're from the book of Thessalonians. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know, not just think, not just speculate, not just hope. We want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so you don't grieve like people who... It's different when a Christian dies. Look further. Since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again. That's the door, my friend. A belief that's not just head information, but a belief that turns you around to follow Christ. If we believe that He was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with Him the believers who have died. Now, what, is, what does the Bible say about death? The Bible says for the believer to be absent from your body is to... So it means the last breath you take on this earth. Last night at about 12, a little after 12 in the morning while you were sleeping, Miss Isabel Daniels, a member of our church, Dorothy's mom, 101 years of age. Dorothy said she, in the nursing home, took a deep breath and was gone. Say, where'd she go? She went to be with Jesus. See, her body is still there. We'll put her body in the ground one day, but your spirit goes to be with Christ. And the same Christ, listen, who's not on the cross, who's not on this earth, he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And the Bible says one day he's coming back to get his chosen ones, and he's bringing with him those that have died in Christ. But they're not coming back as little wretched sick children. They're not coming back as old wrinkles ladies. Come on. They're coming back. Come on. As strong, glorious spirits. And their bodies are going to be resurrected. Now that, my friend, gives you hope. What is the, your hope in the future? Are you trusting in the government? God bless our government. I pray for them every day. But I don't think they're going to help me. They might help themselves. They might help the big bank. I bet you they still find a way to drive their... Well, God bless them. <laughs> My trust is not in them. How about your money? I used to go to Mexico all the time, and first thing you had to ask is, how many pesos do I get for the dollar in the exchange rate? You get 10 to 1. You get 20 to 1. You get 100 pesos to a dollar. You get 1,000, so they just start dropping zeros off of it. It means the $1,000 you had could be worth 100 It could be worth $10. The buying power of your dollar already is about 40% less than it was just six years ago. Well, I've got gold, preacher. Silver is in my, my freezer. Well, what are you going to do if you forget your silver's in your freezer? What if you you're cleaning the thing out one day and you throw it away? You'll kill your wife. You'll end up in jail because she cleaned the freezer out. Or better yet, you invite me over to your house and say, Preacher, we'll cook steaks. Go get them out of my freezer. Is that what you're trusting in? Are you trusting in yourself? 
You may be very skilled. You may be a brain surgeon and you may have the ability to make, you know, $10,000 a day, $20,000 a day. What happens if your hands start shaking? What happens if your eyesight, that miracle of transmission from your eyes to your brain, just gets out of sync just a little bit? See, I don't know what you're trusting in for the future, but I'm going to put my faith in God Almighty. Come on, give Him a big hand today. Hope. Hope about the future. Let's talk about fear in the future just a minute. A lot of people are, 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 are consumed by fear. The chorus of the song, Because He Lives. Because He Lives, I Can Face. Because He Lives. Now you say, wait a minute. I don't believe that, preacher. How could that be true? Well, our Heavenly Father says it is possible. Isaiah 41.10, what's it say in the Message Bible? It says, don't panic because you've got a good doctor. Don't panic because you've got gold in them there freezers. Don't panic because you're smart. Don't panic because you're cute. No, it says don't panic because what? I am with you. Don't panic because I am with you. There's no need to fear. Why? It didn't say I'm your daddy's God. It didn't say I'm your grandmother's God. I'm your God. But you know, you have to personally ask him to become your God. You have to personally turn to follow him. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to help you. I'm going to hold you steady. I'm going to keep a firm grip on you. It didn't say you've got to keep a firm grip on me. God says, I'm going to keep a firm grip on you. And when you used to take your kids somewhere, maybe you took them to the fair. If you had that much nerve when they were little. Or you took them to some other crowded or dangerous place. And you said, you hold my hand because you could get lost out here. And little Billy or Bob is, you know, just pulling away. But guess what? You got the death grip on that child. And even if he tried to get away, whoosh, pulling him back. That's exactly what God says He does for you because you put your trust in Him. You see, the moment when you say, Jesus, I, I want to give you my life. I want you to save me. I want to belong to you. I, I, I want this whole Christian experience. I want it real in me. I, I don't want to be a Sunday Christian. I want you the center of my life. Jesus said, I'm taking hold of you, son. I've begun a good work in you, and I'm going to bring it to completion. And if you fall, I'm going to help you get up. If you make a mistake, I already knew you were going to make mistakes. You just keep getting up and following me. He said, listen, you can cast your fear on me. Let me tell you a little funny story about fear. How many know everybody faces fear? One summer night, severe thunderstorm. A mother is tucking her small son into bed. Now, you get the picture. Thundering outside. Kabam! Gablooey lights. Rain. Little boy, let's say, maybe four or five years old. Mom's about to turn the light off when she asked... Or when she, he asked her in a trembling voice, Mommy, will you stay with me all night? And smiling, the mother gave him a warm, reassuring hug and said tenderly, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. A long silence followed. At last it was broken by a shaky voice when the little boy said, The big sissy. Now... Everybody faces fear. 
Some people face it alone. Some people, I go to the gym, I work out, I'm a concealed weapon carrier. Bless God, I'll just put it on the outside. I've got my degrees on the wall. I can fight, spit in your eye. You can face it all on your own. You and John Wayne. He's dead. He's still dead. I sure hope he believed in Jesus. Then he'll be alive. He's dead. You can face fear alone. You can face it with a teddy bear. Comforts kids. You can face fear with drugs and alcohol. Only problem is, is when you wake up, all you got's a headache and not quite as much money, but the reason of your fear is still there. Or you can faith your fear, face your fear with faith in Jesus Christ. I had something happen to me a couple days ago when fear got all over me. Went to my annual physical, and they tend to do more pucking and plucking and probing when you get over 50 here, and it's a little interesting experience when you go in and say howdy to the doctor. I was just expecting a letter in the mail in a couple days. It's like last year. But I got a call from the nurse a couple days after and said, Mr. Miller, we want you to come back and redo your chest x-ray. The radiologist saw something that he didn't like. Huh. Come on, honey, let's go out to eat. Huh, I think I'll go work in the yard. Huh. Oh, well, let's, let's, let's watch TV. No. you know it, fear has become this monster that's hiding everywhere. But after I listened to him for a minute or two, I started listening to somebody else. Fear not, for I am with you. Don't panic. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. Sometimes when people are afraid, they just ignore it. Just don't go have another x-ray. God will make me okay. Really, I went in the next day. I think faith faces the facts, not hides from the facts. Read Romans chapter 4. Faith doesn't live in denial. Faith looks at it head on. And if your body's good as dead in Abraham's life, oh, we're old, that's the deal. But God said we'd live even though we were old. We'd have a baby. I went in. And the next day, though, I went by my answer machine. I was at the head of my home number. And I'm wondering, is it flashing? Because that would be bad. If they call you the next day and say, we want you to go to Dallas and see someone. Nothing the next day. About three or four days later, I keep looking. And then the fourth day, the light's flashing. I'm, okay. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why not? I wonder if you knew that answer. You can. Anyway, she called me and she's, I recognized the voice immediately. And then she was fumbling through papers. I was saying, hurry up, tell me. She said, your chest x-ray was normal. And I said, praise the Lord. They clapped in the last service. I felt pretty good about it. But, but, but anyway, what happens if she said, we want you to come back 
and see another doctor. Fear not, for I am with you. Don't panic. Because one day, you're going to have to see the next doctor. One day, you're going to have to do planning in the funeral home. One day, a car will come across. The... One day, something is going to happen. See? And you're going to face tomorrow, and you'll either face it with fear, or you'll face it with hope. I don't know about you, but I'm taking hope because He lives. Give the Lord a big hand today. I'm going to wrap this up this morning. The last verse of the song. We can have hope after death because He lives. We can have hope after death. Listen to the words. One day, I'll cross the river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. What do you think he's talking about? That river, on one side of it is life on earth. The other side is eternity. One day I'll be there. One day you'll be there. And then as death gives way to victory, where did that come from? Because the Bible says, Paul said, I could live on this earth, which is better for you, but it's better for me if I go to be with Jesus. Friends, this is a dress rehearsal that you're in right now. This is not the real deal. This is the preparation. This is the practice. Gang days come in one day. See, you're getting ready for something as the Christian. I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know He lives. You know who the, where that light's coming from? It's not coming from a flashlight or a battery or the switch. The glory of God is that light. See, that's what the Bible says. The Bible gives us hope when we face our greatest enemy, which is death. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, listen to the words. But Christ has truly been raised from the dead. The first one. And the proof that those who sleep in death will also be raised. Death has come because of what one man did, and that's Adam, his sin. But the rising from death also comes because of one man. In Adam, say it with me, all of us die in the same way in Christ... In Adam we all die. In death, in this life, and a separation from God. But in Christ we will be made alive. Listen, Mary went to the, to the cemetery at first Easter morning and was expecting death. He's dead. But guess what the angel said? He's not dead. And then guess what they began to believe? Because he's not dead, one day we're not going to be dead either. We may die, but then we'll live. And you may say to me, well, I don't know if I believe all that stuff. Really? What do you believe? Are you going to become one with the cosmic consciousness? Are you just going to cease to exist? Are you going to reincarnate? Become reincarnated? How do you know that? There's a lot of people out there that would say what I'm talking about today is just a myth. It's a story for we simple-minded people. Well, thank God I'm a simple-minded person then. Listen, where is your hope for death? Because it's coming. Where's your hope? You know, Christians and unbelievers die differently. Their funerals are different. 
I'll do a funeral for Miss Isabel this week. We'll celebrate a life well lived. But we'll realize, listen, when they were in the hospital room, this is what they were telling her. We love you, Mama, and we want you to stay here. But listen, when you're ready to go home and be with Jesus, we'll let you go because we're coming to see you one day. We hope you'll come back to get us so we don't have to go through this valley. But when you're ready to go, it's okay. We love you, Mama. Have you ever been in a room where people were dying or a funeral where there was an unbeliever? Saddest funeral I ever went to in my life. I performed it several years ago here in Texarkana, Chapelwood. Got a call from kids out of town. I say kids are in their 40s, 50. Dad had died and he was here in a nursing home. Would you do the funeral? I said, well, sure. Didn't know him. They said, but we don't want a lot of that Jesus stuff. I said, well, why'd you call me? Well, I said, okay, listen, I'm not going to shove it down your throat, but I, I want to talk about life, and I want to talk about hope, and I want to share some, some hope about the future. I said, okay, well, come on. We get in Chapelwood. There's three people in the chairs, sad faces. They put on a song, hit, that, hit the radio, the boombox, and the song went something like this. I'll never forget it. It said, when I die, dig a hole for me. Six foot deep on the lone prairie. And it was a country western song that played two or three times. And it was over. They just walked away. Why is that? They had no hope. I imagine somebody religious heard them. I imagine they had a bad experience in church. Or maybe somebody that was or had a bad experience taught them about it. And it just, they never connected. But I want to tell you today something straight from the mouth of Jesus 2,000 years ago. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. See, the world is not just this big planet Earth. The world is you. For God so loved you. For God so loved you. For God so loved you and you and you and you and you and you. And you. That he gave his son Jesus. You see, we had a problem that we couldn't fix. It was a problem that our sin had brought to us. It got us in trouble. You know, the Bible says sin ultimately has to be accounted for. The Bible says one day we'll give an account for our life. There's a real thing called Judgment Day. One day we'll literally stand before Christ, before God, this great throne, and give an account for our life on Judgment Day. Let me kind of give you a picture of how it can work for the Christian. I want you to think with me just a minute. Imagine if I had murdered someone. I got caught here in Texas. The Texas Rangers picked me up. They took me to the judge. I went through the whole process. We've got people that work in the federal prison system here. I went through the whole process. They sentenced me guilty, and they said, you'll die on such and such a date. I went through all my appeals. They were exhausted because there's no question I did it. So I'm sitting in, if you can imagine, the electric chair, and they're ready to hit the switch and take my life. And Jesus Christ walks into the room. Now, mind you, my crime had put me there. I killed somebody I deserved to be paid back. I deserved judgment. Jesus Christ walks into the room. And he asked me this question. Would you like to live? I'll die in your place. Oh, who wouldn't say yes? Well, sure. He reaches down and he unties my shackles. He sits down and he looks at me with those piercing eyes of love. And he said, buckle me in. I'm prepared to give my life for yours. When he's seated there, the warden, he hits the switch. He dies. And the 
warden turns and looks at me and says, you're free to go. Someone else has paid for your crime. That's exactly what happened on a cross like that 2,000 years ago. You and I had a sin debt that we couldn't pay. And Jesus took our place, the judgment of our sin. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a step to Christ. In just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to, to, to pray a prayer of invitation, inviting Christ to come into your life so this might be real to you. But I ask you, my friend, this question today. If today was your day, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven or that you'd go to hell? There is nothing more important. I'm here to tell you today on this Easter Resurrection Sunday morning that you can have hope for eternal life. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you've been. I'm here to tell you today, Jesus Christ can give you a brand new start in life. It's like a book. Jesus doesn't just take an eraser and take a page out of that 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 lists all your sins in your book on whatever this page is, everything that you've done wrong. See, the Bible says there's our lives are somehow being recorded. It's like a, a huge mega computer and everything's recorded, all the wrong that you've done. And when God forgives you, He doesn't just cover it up. He tears the page out. And He throws it away. And He said, I'll wash it away and I'll give you a brand new start in life. I'll give you a brand new start. You can have that start today if you'll make a step to Christ. It's not the words of the preacher telling you that. It's the words of Jesus Himself. That if you would put your trust in Christ, if you would believe in Him, He would give you the gift of eternal life. In just a moment, some of you will make your first step to Christ. First time that you've prayed, I remember mine very clearly. It was August 15th, 1976. A Gideon had given me a New Testament, and I read it, and I put my trust in Christ. For others that may be here, you might have walked with Christ at one time in your life, but you just kind of got away. You didn't mean to. And instead of Christ being first, now He's second or third or whatever. Let today be a day where you choose to make Him first again. Let today be a day when you make a step to Christ, where you walk away from your past, and you put your faith and your trust in Him. My friend, it would be my honor to pray for you today, to stand for you today before God and say, Lord Jesus, welcome, my friends, into the kingdom of God today. So if you're here today and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me today. Here on Easter Sunday morning, I want to get my life right with God. I want to put Christ first in my life. I'm ready to turn the corner and live for Him. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. Do it boldly and do it quickly. God bless you, dear. Others that are here today, God bless you, dear. God bless you too, pal. Somebody else. I want to put my trust in Christ. There's many that are here today. I want to put my trust. God bless you. You're not joining a church today. You're having the guts to turn and make a stand for Christ. Who else this morning? I want to make a stand for Christ. God bless you too, pal. Listen, there's other here. God bless you too. There's many that are in this room today. I'm believing for 20 people. God bless you, dear. And God bless you, young lady. Others that are here today. I want to put my trust in Christ. God bless you on the back row. I want to put my trust in Christ today. I've got the guts. I've got the guts to turn and walk away from my sin today. I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. Young people, I'm not going the way I wanted to go. I'm ready to turn to Christ. Others that are here today, listen, I want to put my trust in Christ today. I want to walk away from the world. You say, well, why are you doing this right now? First of all, you need to understand, I don't want a thing from you. I don't want your money. I don't want your time. You don't have to join this church. I just want to beg you to turn to Christ before it's too late. I am a messenger. I'm someone that's tasted some fresh bread from heaven to tell you that it's good, to tell you that God can turn your darkness into light and God can give you a brand new start. So let me ask one more time. Is there anyone else 
You say, I'm here today. Don't let your pride stand in the way. Don't let your fear stand in the way. Because listen, I know this. If you cannot make a stand for Christ when people will clap their hands, you'll never do it on Monday morning in the office. Because Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. But if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. So one last time, anyone else today saying, Pastor, that's me too. Include me in that altar call. God bless you, dear. Anyone else today? I want to put my trust in Christ. God bless you too, pal. Anyone else today? Anyone else today? Praise the Lord. All you that lifted your hand, I want you to come to the front. We're going to pray for you. Bring your friend with you. Come on up, you that lifted your hand. Come on up, you that lifted your hand. We want to pray for you today. Come quickly this morning. I'm turning my life to Christ. I'm putting Christ first in my life today. I'm putting Him first. First. I'm walking away from my past. I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm making Jesus the Savior of my life. I want the gift of eternal life. I don't want to face a sinner's hell. I want to stand before God. Oh, there were several others. You, you, you need to be here. Several older people. You need to be here today. You need to be here. Don't let anything stand in your way. Come on, sing it, Pastor Nick. I can face Come on, let's sing it. There's some more that need to be here. You say, how do I know? Here's what it's like. Hang on just a minute. There's a tug of war going on in your heart. And I usually don't labor this this long. But I just feel there's a burden. There's three or four more people that are here this morning. It's a tug of war. There's something inside wanting to make you run out of this building. But there's something wanting to make you run towards the front. Now, which do you think is the Lord and which do you think is the devil? There's some of you that are laboring under the lie that says, I'll just do this later. No, you won't. God bless you, dear. Give her a big hand. Someone else. I need to be in this altar. I need to be in this altar. I'm going to stand for Christ. I'm going to live for Him today. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you this. Jesus loves you more than words could ever say. God bless you, dear. Give her a big hand today. He loves you guys. And He's got a future for you. The world might tell you there's nothing in the future. People don't love you. People don't care about you. That's a lie. Because Jesus Christ loved you so much that He gave His life for you. How old are you? Fourteen. I was 19 when I made my step, my real step to Christ, and I wasted some of the saddest memories of my life were when I was 17, 18, and 19. We are so proud of you this morning, and we are proud of you. We're proud of you, dear. Every step to Christ is a right step. It's a right step. You know, the Bible says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who turns to God than over 99 righteous people who don't need it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That God somehow takes the sins of my life and tears them out of a book and He throws them away. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to imagine it's Christmas time or birthday time, whatever, and I've bought a gift for you. Or your mom has bought a gift or your boyfriend. And they want to give you that gift. And it belongs to you. But when's it become yours? When you reach out and take it. Go help yourself. That's exactly what you're doing right now. You're just receiving by faith what Christ has offered. You're not putting your trust in my words. You're putting your trust in God's words. So we're going to pray a prayer today. And you're literally in this prayer. You're going to invite Christ to come in your life and save you. And give you a brand new start in life. And my friend, God hears you. Let's bow our heads. I want everybody in the church house to say this this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thanks for loving me. I want to say it again. Thanks for loving me. I want to say it again. Thank you for loving me.
Thank you for knowing all about me and still loving me. Jesus, I've done wrong. I know it. And I need forgiveness. I want you to wash my sins away. Take my guilt away. Take my shame away. And make me a brand new person. I want you to change me on the inside. I cannot change myself. And I cannot save myself. I need you to save me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins. And come into my life. And be my Lord and Savior. This day, with your help, I'm going to commit to follow you and to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand for these dear people today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen, every step to God is always the right step. I'm telling you, I am super, super proud of you today. We want to give you something before you go. You know, I know many of you are from out of town. You're visiting. You're from somewhere else. If you've got a home church, I want to encourage you to go there and get involved. If you're looking for somewhere, we'd love to help you. Love to see you get baptized in water. Love to see you make the next step to Christ. Love to teach and train you. Hey, a little funny story. I want you to imagine if you have a child and your child's 10 years old and says, Mom, I want to be a brain surgeon. Well, listen, you're not going to give that child a knife and say, Honey, I got a headache. Can you help me? No, no. That child began a journey that day. And they're going to go to school, and they're going to go to college and graduate school, and they're going to go, and they're going to learn how to do it. And one day, they'll have an MD convert on them, and one day, they'll be, I don't have the title, but they'll be able to do it. You've got to grow in your spiritual life like that. And we want to just give you some things, give you some information to be able to help you with that. So if you'll go with Pastor Joe, where are you going to go? All right. All right, why don't you follow Pastor Mike, and he'll take you. Pastor Mike's our associate. Just take just a couple minutes. Just follow him. We're going to go like, just to the cafe just a second so he can take you. And we just a minute be able to come right back. All right, right that way. Go with Pastor Mike. Give him one more big hand today. God bless you. We're proud of you guys. If your family and friends with these guys, I want to encourage you to go with them too. Encourage you to go with them too. If your family and friends are these guys that made a step to Christ. Hey, today was a great day, wasn't it? Let me encourage you, listen, don't forget, next Sunday morning we're going to have that free meal. You know, it'll be great sirloin burgers. It'll be enjoyable, big fun for the kids. And the whole purpose is to help you get connected with other people here at Church on the Rock. I hope you'll be a part. Pastor Joe has a closing word, and I'm glad you were here today. It was a great day. We give God the praise. God bless you. I'll see you Wednesday night. Hey, good news for the Easter service today. We have 10 free church memberships that were given away. If you would like one of them, right behind the sanctuary in our connect room, we have it. First 10 people that go back there that sign up, you're a free member at Church on the Rock. We love you. Come next week. It's a great day. Here's how we're going to go out. We're going to go out on three. We're going to say live for Jesus, and that's, we're going to declare what we're going to do next week. You got it? Rock fist on three. One, two, three. Live for Jesus. Because he